It's December the 18th, 2021, and you're listening to The Future of Photography. The Future of Photography. Here we go. Last episode of the year. Yep, I'm sorry to say it is the last episode of the year because the holidays are upon. Are we sorry to see this year go? <laughs> That's a completely different question. <laughs> You know what? I'm starting to get into the holiday spirit. It was all I could do not to sing along or beat the drum machine on our little intro there. You know, it's like, it's it's a good time of I've, year. I've right? got my little, my little Christmas lights up back here. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I don't have anything Christmassy in my study. Sorry. We got I Christmas. don't know, man. I'm speaking to you from the uh, global center of from an undisclosed location um and in imar York, and, is... and imar is missing she uh she has a christmas tree behind her i'm pretty sure right now um there's work and stuff going on so this is not going to be a very festive episode but i think i think we have an interesting we can make it so well yeah we'll we'll work on that i'll i think we have an interesting topic that we want to nerd out about it's a bit on the nerdy side for sure um on the sciencey side on the um on the high highest possible tech kind of side which um yeah i've been following this and and uh for for years pretty much we're talking about miniaturization of optics we're talking about what they call meta lenses and we have we've talked about this here before um you might remember them kind of flat lenses that yeah. instead of instead of being glass that is curved in some way they put little nano size posts on it pretty much like little cylinders on it that act like antennas for light for the wavelengths of light and they bend it and do stuff with it and um and so far when when i looked at this kind of a development i mean of course wishing for flatter lenses because lenses are heavy so you better have a have a uh, you could improve something there and uh, the problem was always that they had one wavelength like infrared they got it to work in some useless for us photographically kind of useless wavelength and here's a paper that just recently came out that completely changes everything um it's in nature and it's not just flat optics, it's nano optics. We're talking about uh, cameras that are, well, here's, this is, is very, very nerdy. So we'll put the link in the show notes. You can read along if, if that interests you. But we're talking about cameras the size of grains of salt, including yeah. the very, sensor very and easy the to lens. Lose. <laughs> so here, here if, if if you happen to be watching this on our video channel um there's a there's a figure in the in the paper that shows us okay what, what what are we looking at here the right top that's a fruit bowl of sorts with bananas and apples on it that's the ground truth that is the fo the photo that's what your smartphone would take if you, if it took a photo and then the one right next to it which looks Fairly similar. It's not perfect, but very, very similar. Pretty good, though. Pretty that good. That comes from yeah. a camera that is the size of a grain of salt, and it's a 720 by 720 pixel color photo. And then the ones on the left that are older methods and older things. 
Isn't that yeah, this is, wild? This is pretty dazzling. Has anybody made an array of these lenses to uh, <laughs> up the stitching of these? <laughs> I, I think we're looking at, um, at lab scale. Uh, so, see, I'm doing it again. I have to fix this one day. Um, the, 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 this is lab scale. I don't think they have really glued more than a couple of them together, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea, but this is wild. Oh, we're, we're not hearing you, Jeremiah. Jeremiah's oh, gone. Austin. Well, I'll tell you what, while Jeremiah fixes his audio, um, I think, does it say just above those pictures that you're sharing there in, in, in this uh, in this article, this paper, 720 pixels by 720 pixels? Yeah. So uh, I think that's, yeah, that's that's not far from, I mean, I know it's less than a megapixel and stuff like yeah. that, but considering but the do size. Do you remember the first, the first digital cameras with their VGA resolution, which is below this? Uh, I, I, I do. I never, never played with one. I think the first one I had did about four megapixels, but only yeah. two of those were real and the rest of them were extrapolated or something like that yeah. anyway. But, and that was about around the year 2000 or something like that. So, uh -huh. so that was when I got my first digital camera. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, it's astonishing. Look at that. Look, I mean, they, they, that the, the, the imagery that, they're making with this camera yes you're back jeremiah oh yeah back oh. jeremiah good stuff the imagery that they're making with this camera is is probably not far off i mean what a, a, what a phone with camera would have taken 15 years ago let's say let's look at let's look at uh potential uses for these kind of things preferably because it's, it's the christmas time preferably not with 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 too with not too much dystopia built in, right? So, so I'm looking I'm looking forward to the multicam NORAD Santa Tracker next year. I mean, we're giving him a year to get it into production, <laughs> right? But I lo I love the Santa Tracker from NORAD. I don't know if either of you guys ever yes. watch it, but it's like it's fantastic. I remember a couple of years ago we were in in uh, a Centre Parks uh on uh for, for christmas and they had it up on all the big screens in center parks they had where is santa just now you know and stuff like that so i i i'm looking forward to sticking a few of these on santa's sleigh and getting a multicam feed from that there we go there's a there's a, a special mission for for the people of norad i mean uh, i mean oh, you know what i you know what i go ahead i'm sorry go ahead uh, i'm looking forward to using an array of these in anthills uh, in bullet time. Oh, bullet so, time. Anthill bullet time. <laughs> Anthill bullet time. Awesome. That's the, that's the <laughs> filmmaker <I> speaking. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is an interesting use of very small cameras, you know, like those African bush cameras that they set out and the animals come up to the right. lens and sniff around and yeah, yeah. all of that. You see them. You could do this with very, very tiny A objects on the molecular level of seeing how things are shifting and shaping. Certainly in space, there must be some very interesting particle photography um, and, and uh, also for uh, nature. And like I said, you could, you could put a thousand grains of salt around a little hive and have I... bullet time. I think it would be very fun. I was I was thinking uh, uh, medical applications. I mean, just imagine instead of getting uh, a tube uh, shoved down your throat, they go here. Uh, eat eat a spoon of this, of eat a Honey. spoon of sugar. 
and then and then they, it ends up taking pictures of all your intestines and everything, and then it comes out as the. Oh, other you mean end. a practical, a practical use? An actual practical cameras. use, yes. Oh, now, I, 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 I don't think these size uh, cameras will will uh, that does not include any transmission equipment. So we're probably still looking at some additional bulk there. But um, just imagine, yeah. Just you imagine. mean like the USB cable? <laughs> yeah, that would be a bit uncomfortable, I guess. But, you know, instead, instead of having a camera bag, you will then have a camera shaker. Cause, yeah, uh, I was thinking this doesn't bode well for the future of the camera bag industry, does it? If, <laughs> or or <laughs> camera straps. <laughs> camera straps. Well, try, try, try to attach one of those to a tripod. That would be <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Uh, there's yeah. there's all sorts of fun things. But, uh, you know, Chris, I think you hit something. Uh, the the not only swallow but surgically implant uh, these cameras as long as they are transmissible uh, to see the growth or shrinkage of tumors without uh, subjugating a little to a little surveillance tumors sur- visual tumor surveillance built in and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely could or be good for sports as well, right? So you could have concussion protocols. You could sure. you could have uh, cameras embedded into the balls and the bats and and the other equipment. You know, like because oh, yeah. um, you see, uh, yeah, you know how they do with the tennis these days, and they have yeah, it's all uh, all of these cameras all around, and they have the systems that can plot the three D or cricket. I, I, I'm guessing neither of you watch cricket, <laughs> Not but they really. do do the they. They do the same thing. If you see, do you know what I mean for the tennis though? They do on the major tennis championships these days where a point is called and it's contentious and they don't know whether it was in or out and they can plot through space the, the, the flight of the tennis ball in yeah, 3D. Just, just show put exactly some of those cameras way. inside the ball and... Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, exactly. And and the bat as well, you know, let's say, let's say, let's go for baseball, right? You know what? You know I'll what? move away from cricket, but for New- baseball, you could put a... A camera in the back, a camera in the ball, you'd be great. <laughs> sure. And then you, and you then make people nauseous make... when they're watching the footage. Yeah, okay. Here's a question for you, Chris. In the paper that you read, um, is it possible to embed these in sheets of panes of glass that are so small they don't really affect the transmission much of light through so that shop windows... Um, can basically be recording. <laughs> yeah, there we, so we're, we're getting closer to the utopian, to the dystopian side. Watch this out. is this is Blade Blade Runner and yeah. and Minority Report all rolled into one at this point, isn't it? Yeah. As long as it's used for good. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm actually I'm quite serious. There, there would be a very very interesting approach to. I don't know, even mirrors, um, uh, interactive, just on uh, advertising, lots of things that, that can be very, very uh, interesting, especially if you're recording through the lenses and projecting that very image through the glass. In other words, I'm talking about an art project or an advertising project or interactive project right. that uses both an invisible camera that's projected into reality. So if you look in one direction, you'll see nothing. If you look in another, you'll see an image. And, and it, in a way, that could be good for gaming. It could be good for eyeglasses. It, you know, um, for example, eyeglasses sharpening. Not oh, sharpening contact out. lenses! You you can integrate that yeah. into a contact lens. Yeah. Sure. 
Um, how about DJI? They D DJI might not like that because you won't need drones anymore. You just take a handful of these and go, and then <laughs> they're flying. And then ah, you, no, they're still need tiny gimbals, little, though, tiny yeah, little kites on them, right? Tiny little tiny sails, <laughs> tiny little sails, like like a plant, you know, like something that might be on a plant, and then they will just hover with the wind and do um, do data collection over the ocean. So that'd be stuff. good. What's that, what's, the, what's that movie? That's another movie, isn't it? Um, it's got Helen Hunt in it. What's it called? Come on, what's the tornado movie? Oh. Twister. Yeah. Twister. Yeah. It's the movie. That was a good movie. I mean, I mean, it, it reminds me of the of the of the rubber ducks. Have you heard of the rubber ducks? That's years and years ago. There was this big container ship yeah. coming from, I think, from China to Europe, and uh, they they yeah. capsized. Or, or before they capsized, they had to throw a whole bunch of containers overboard, and uh, yeah, one of them contained tens and tens of thousands of orange yellow, yellow rubber ducks, and they ended up in the ocean, and they ended up swimming, and scientists have been using them ever since to track ocean currents and these kind of things. So Yeah, they found them all over the world. Yeah, exactly. And they they could really tra trace back where they came from because they know, knew exactly where that container was dumped into the water. Even so, rubber yeah. ducks migrate. Is that what you're saying? Yes, they do. <laughs> saying, yes, they yeah. do. So well, you could, yeah, definitely yeah. you could use tiny cameras of that sort of thing because it, it, it's all the things it's like the, the things i'm thinking of all the things you'd like to take photographs of like wildlife and sport and stuff like that you could put the camera on the wildlife or on the ball and the bat and, and other things like that and and yeah it, and with it, that, that, that with that size camera cool. you could you could attach a camera to to a spider to an ant to whatever you want because that wouldn't really bother them at that size of course you will still need recording equipment all, all that stuff but that's just a matter of time. So Yeah, and also undersea cables, all of these things integrating uh, optical cameras or nano cameras into the construction of of optic fiber. We are we are getting just for, for closer. Breakage. We're no, get, no. getting closer to photographic archaeology where you have like a, a a visual record of everything every time everywhere. This is we are going in that direction. The yes. world is becoming completely digitized. Yes. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that, that, you know, understanding the digitization yep. of basically everything in an exponential way, whether it's robotics, work, financing, uh, you know, all of that. The only thing we're not really uh, good at is um, taking carbon out of the atmosphere. Right. Um, not yet. <laughs> We're working on that. Um, the interesting thing, by the way, from a technical point of view, is that the, the, the lens is not projecting uh, a pic picture onto the sensor as you would expect it to be. It's not like replacing the lens, but the combination of that lens or meta lens with the sensor and machine learning is how this works. So... They have a machine learning thing in the back end that pretty much turns whatever garbled thing comes in into an actual picture. And that's the that's computational photography at its finest. So so that's that's interesting. Does that mean it's making it up then? Well the result looks fairly similar to the original. So is it made up? I mean that's a 
good question. There's a few yeah. examples here. There's a here's a here's a chameleon. Here's a blue flower. There, there well, wait a second. Doesn't that mean that all photography is made up? Oh, we're going there again. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. In other words, what's the difference between? So that's a, that. Is, that's a good question. Uh, um, that 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 is a good question, Jeremiah. I think probably what I would say is that if you have a straight processing without any machine learning, you're you're effectively yes, you are baking in what it looks like, but because you don't have that flexibility, you need to bake it in to be broadly speaking as realistic as possible. Otherwise, you wouldn't. I beg to any, differ. You wouldn't sell any differ. product. You wouldn't say you wouldn't. Well, okay, well, maybe. I mean, people say talk about you know talk about the 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 way lenses render and and how color science works in cameras and yeah, stuff like well, that. So so yes, yeah, so there is all of that, but that's going to be consistent, isn't it? It's going to be the same thing every time. And if somebody's mean, tra- if somebody's uh, straight too far away from from an acceptable output in 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 making a product, they wouldn't sell any of that product. Well, how, two things I'm going to say about that. Number one, black and white photography. Yeah, yeah. The only the only reason that we um, look at a black and white photograph and and understand it as a representation of a real moment is because we are trained and used to it. There's nothing about it. A still image caught in time with no color is something that is very divorced from our reality. So that's number right. Two, okay, but number two, more important. Everybody sees differently. The way we, our eyes are not cameras. Our brains interpret the light going through them, hitting our optic nerve, back to the brain, assessing what it looks like. I mean, we could be in the matrix. We don't know what's real. We know what we are used to. We know if we run hard into a wall, it will probably hurt. But what if you bought a camera? But what if you bought a camera, okay, and you used it for six months, and the way it interpreted images six months down the road was significantly different? The output you got when you made a shot was significantly different from what you did when you bought it. Um, Or you got a firmware upgrade, um, and yeah, uh, and and that then created a step change. Um, I mean, that might be. I mean, that's feasible today because sometimes you get firmware upgrades for Fuji cameras that give you a new film simulation. So that's that's yeah, that happens already. But what if it just learned on its own? And what if you bought two cameras and you used them for different things and they learned different patterns and they started, you, you could then in six months time, take the same shot with both cameras and get two different results. That's very well but, possible. So, yes. so well, let me, well, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you a story because, a because, because the way we are looking at pictures is we are using a neural network. That's just the thing in our brains. Um, and uh, here, here's a story that uh, goes back probably 30 years. Um, I had, my, I, I had issues concentrating, and the reason was because my eyes wanted to go cross-eyed, but I didn't let them. Right? It was I was exerting force, and that made me made it hard for me. It it used it used a, a significant amount of force and. The only way to fix that was to uh, to do an operation to shorten some of the muscles around the eye and, and and pretty much straighten out the eyes. But in order to go there, they had to first relax the whole mechanism. How do you relax eyes that have been uh, pulling on those muscles for 20 years? You put prism glasses on them. So those were glasses that would allow me to look into the glasses cross-eyed and look out straight in the front right so they would bend the light path now if you're a photographer you will know what happens if you look through a prism 
it Things will are upside down and back to front. No, not that, not that. It's it's just oh, a okay. bit a bit of a bending of the light. But what it did is it created chromatic aberrations, right? So every yeah. every uh, contrast boundary had a red and a red and a blue fringe, right? So and those were quite quite pronounced. I had to wear these glasses for about half a year, so that was a lengthy process. Wow, and. I saw these chromatic aberrations every day I put those things on. And uh, after about, and, and I, I put these glasses on first thing in the morning, took them off last thing at night. And at one point, four weeks in, roughly four weeks in, those chromatic aberrations were gone overnight. They were, yeah. they disappeared. Yeah, and your brain filtered them out. Well, it didn't filter them out. Well, it did filter them out. It inverted them and added them back to the picture because when I took those glasses off after that, I saw inverted chromatic aberrations. <laughs> oh. they, my brain was doing that work. It had learned. It had adapted the, the neural network to do that. And, uh, and then at, at the end, again, uh, they, when everything was relaxed, they did the operation and everything was fine. But having... Having been through that myself, I mean, you you read or hear about these experiments of people wearing glasses that put everything upside down, and then at one point mm. the brain turns them around, and it's like, yeah, sure. But at the moment you 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 go through that yourself, your brain actively modifies what you see. You notice how how supple that whole thing up there is, and how adaptive it is. So neural networks will will adapt and will do things, and that. What yeah. these guys are doing with these flat lenses or these metal lenses, um, I think, is not that far away from what the brain is doing. I think sure. uh, it's really interesting. I think we have talked several times, though, on this podcast about the danger of training your your uh, your learning capable machine in the in the wrong way, or even with data sets oh, yeah. that have unconscious That's, bias in them. There's always know, uh, there's always that 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 possibility when you employ machine learning. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean I work in, in my professional life, I work with yeah, with software uh, and I work, you know, I have colleagues who build machine learning models and, and things like that. You know, right. and uh, it is, um, and it's it's fascinating stuff, um, uh, and it is hugely sophisticated. But it's also very much in its infancy. Oh yes, um, uh, and yeah, there, there's there's a long way to go. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, having said that, actually, you know, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna teach uh, a grain of salt to to to, to form a, an image, I suppose how how else are you going to do it? <laughs> At this point, I've got a picture of Zoolander in my head going, what's that, a school for ants? Yeah, it's tricky. But yeah, it's interesting. Part of this is that I think I haven't thought about the use of machine learning in cameras too much. No, you have, because you talked about LiDAR a lot, and you've used LiDAR a lot. And that, if anything, is machine learning in terms of um, you know, expressing an understanding of how light or, you know, waves bounce off objects to, you know, reemerge as as an image put together. That that's machine learning. In, in mm, a, yeah. Okay. Fair way. point. Fair point. Yeah. Thank you, you know? for the correction. Um, mm. I I think you know whenever there is a breakthrough like this, there is always the laws of unintended consequences. You know, we've talked about that a lot, um, both on the utopian side and the dystopian side and so you never know uh where it's going 
So are we, um, what do you think? When are we going to be ready to buy cameras by the, I don't know, by the spoon or? By the pound. By the pound. <laughs> I'd like half a cup of cameras, please. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think we're a while away, at least a decade Probably. before it becomes even professionally available. At high I, price. I, I think I think as many things, it will not just be there one day. It will slowly It'll sneak merge, its yeah. way in, its way in, and we will we will not even notice. But that's coming more and more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, where do we see these things being trialed? I mean, we see yeah, there are some camera companies that are definitely trying to trying to push the boundaries, aren't they? Uh, that you know, uh, yeah, you could say maybe Rico on the on the three sixty front. Right, uh, uh, pushing boundaries. You could say that, you know, clearly you could say that phone manufacturers are trying to push the boundaries with the extra sensors that they put in their phone. Um, car manufacturers, and I just I won't mention the one car manufacturer because lots of them are doing it now. Um, you know, to try and to to make better use of, of imagery and things like that. So the, these are some of the places where you get the innovative. innovative engineering you know the d out of your r and d this is research isn't it what we're looking at here this is yes. the r think, from your r and d yes, who's yes. gonna who's medical, gonna do the d medical pharmaceutical yeah medical I, I, definitely definitely i mean um, there's a reason that you know even pill cameras that have been around for 10 years i'm guessing mm -hmm. there's still not a, we can't go into our local pharmacy and buy one swallow it have it move through and then sync our iphones and like go oh there it is send the pictures to our doctors that's not available to us yet and they've been around for a long time so it's going to be a while before the shrinkage and what happens when these cameras are quote under attack by body acids what you know all of those kinds of things what has to happen but i do think that what chris indicated initially medical use of these things is probably going to push the Uh, the envelope here, because I think it is a very significant use of the technology to be able to photograph the inside of a body in the smallest possible way to see things safely, um, just in terms of nodes, tumors, growths, or health. And if you need you know an I mean? ENT, uh, if you need an ENT procedure, you'll you'll not swallow them. You go. And then, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All okay. right. Um, how about that? So um, let's move on to our picks of the week. Jeremiah, you got a new action camera. I do. I have a new camera. It was um, kind of inspired by um, some of the special effects stuff that we are doing on the show I'm working on. And, um, you know, it used to be that when you you know, when you would do plates and um, multiple effects stuff without going into the weeds, they would photograph a silver ball and a gray ball, a gray ball to kind of assess the, um, the color temperature and the silver ball to indicate all of the reflected light in right. as much uh, area as possible. Now um, they are using these cameras. So I got to play with one on the set. I was very impressed. And so um, I bought it. I'm still learning. So that's about the it. that's it the Insta 361 X2, which is a 360 uh, degree camera that levels yes. out and and does yeah. like all the cool stuff. 
Yeah. Now, there's one thing that they don't really mention in the, um, you know, in all of the kind of uh, information on on the site. I found the try, just trying to get a PDF manual is almost impossible. <laughs> Could not find a manual that went through everything. You have to go and it tells you one thing, a little video on basics, a little video right. on the on the uh, menus, etc. This camera with the right accessories, and I bought the whole accessory pack, which includes a lens cover, important, they're easily scratched, but a selfie pole uh, that you see running around, which, it, which the software eliminates, but also attached to that is a little handle, which acts as a small tripod if you need it, that enables you to do bullet time. So ah. you attach the oh, camera. Oh, is that the thing where you it swing around. it around? That's right. Ah. And it stitches it all together. And it that's really what sold me on this. So, so it's it's so it's it's not like like the real bullet time where you'd have a whole bunch of cameras firing at the same time, but it is doing high speed recording while you swing it around, which is very, very that's similar right. looking. And every shot is 360. And then it's stitched together and you can adjust the frame rate, how many pictures in all of this. Again, I, ha I have the gear. Uh, I was going to play with it this week, but I'm not. <laughs> um, um, but I do have the camera with me to learn. Um, so I'm, I'm very impressed with this. And uh, it, the resolution is really, really good. You can shoot it in 150 degree angle, like a super panoramic right. or 360. And um, and it's tiny, it, you know, fits in a small pocket. So uh, I'm super impressed by this camera so far. And you and, and you I'll, said I'll post that. A few and you said that it's it's actually used in in professional productions to capture like light spheres and that kind of stuff that you would use for special yeah. effects later on. Wow. Yeah, if you're shooting a plate, you just take a couple of pictures on the set and just give you all the light conditions, yeah. all the. All the activity, which is super helpful if you if you wanna if you wanna do like uh, uh, CG later on and add it to the shot, you have the light, you know that. the light and the colors and exactly. everything. Awesome. So, and now you know I've seen uh, rigs with uh, that are basically spheres of LEDs where you can actually control the exact match based on interpolating the image right. from where it was shot and it then paste the subject into the location with absolutely pitch perfect um lighting match so awesome. th there's a lot of good uses for it but uh, i'm interested in exploring it artistically and seeing what happens when i push it well i'm looking forward to seeing stuff from you um and then adrian you chose something i want to piggyback on top of that because i'm you'll uh, be most welcome sir okay what did you bring us I just wanted to say good luck to everybody involved in the launch of the James Webb telescope. Oh, so yeah, as, yeah. as, as, as this particular podcast goes out, uh, assume it goes out on the Wednesday, I think we'll be two days ahead of, of the launch, uh, which I think is, is currently scheduled for Christmas Eve. Yes. So, you know, it's been what thirty years in the making. <laughs> you know, I think they must have started it as soon as they got yes. Hubble up. Basically, uh, absolutely. They, they went, well, what wild. should we do now? Let's do. No, what, what should we do next? <laughs> so, um, 
It's interestingly enough, uh, Hubble is more on the visual light side, and uh, the James Webb is is a ma- mainly infrared. So it looks further out into the universe than Hubble ever could, and it's 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 more more modern. It has more modern sensors, much more sensitive to light or to whatever bit of infrared is out there. So it, it's going to be giving us some mind blowing results. Take, we'll take yeah, a, we'll see. take half a year after it comes up because it's a bit of an origami thing. It's folded up in wild ways, and uh, the mirrors are unfolding over weeks and months, I guess. And the whole thing will take quite a while, about half a year, until they can start shooting with it. Well, they'll have to calibrate it all one day. They have lots yes. and lots of tests to yes. do and, and stuff like that. But getting I, the pictures back from the lab is going to take a long time. But um, <laughs> they, they do they do say that that it will start to investigate the ninety four percent of the universe that we know absolutely nothing about, yeah. which is very exciting. I so, mean, we should we should probably do an uh, early next year an entire episode on this because it really is a, a marvel. For for just one little example, and um, they are also looking at signatures of life on other planets. And the way they do this is, we're talking planets that are so far away that they don't really have. I mean, the camera doesn't have the resolution, or the telescope doesn't have the resolution to really look and see the see the see the Martians up there. But what it can do is. If a planet crosses in front of the star that it rotates around, then it its atmosphere will slightly filter. Just I mean, it's tiny in, in in relation to the sun, but it will filter the light that comes from that sun or from that star um, just a little bit, and it will very very minutely change the the wavelengths of light that come back. And this way they can deduct if there's, for example, CO2 in the atmosphere or something. And also, uh, you know, it's pointed at basically the the Big Bang. I mean, that, that's the, the, the intention of the web yeah. is to photograph deep into the past. Oh, they, they, and hundreds of billions of years back. Yeah, they want, they want to go back... Oh, within 10 a, years. I think I think thirteen billion years, and they want to go back yeah. uh, within a couple of hundred million years of the Big Bang, or something like that. I mean, which is ama- it's amazing that everything we see when we look up, we are seeing the past. Oh yes, we are oh, seeing yeah. the light. Yeah, and and it's hard to remember that, but when we look up at the stars, we are actually looking at. You know, years and years and years, millions and billions of years yeah. uh, that it took that light to reach our eyes. That's pretty um, mind-blowing stuff. Anyway, let's wrap this up, I think. I think well, Happy New Year, everybody. What, and what a mind-bender so. of an episode. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a year. It's been quite a year. <laughs> <laughs> Would not recommend. <laughs> yeah. Actually, for me, I had a good year. I had a very good year, so I can't complain. So, there you go. Yeah, the, it, it was it was okay. It was okay, mostly. Let's look for more exciting things in 2022, shall we? Oh, yes. There will. I, I think excitement is pretty much guaranteed 
That's I, I can promise <laughs> I you that. Good, excitement I meant the good is, kind. No, no. Well, let's let's just leave it neutral. Excitement is excitement. Anyway, okay, cool. everyone, thanks for being around. We'll be back next year. Until then, bye bye. Take care. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to the future of photography. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. dot